You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Conference Room, welcome to another edition of the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell here in studio, I'm Dave Griffiths, and Joe taking the uh, the break from uh, visiting us in person today, but it's not the Beach Grove Wi-Fi that we're relying on. It's, what is it, the Broad Ripple Wi-Fi somewhere? Yeah, north side of Indy, Broad Ripple area. All right, the north side Wi-Fi is what it is today. So hopefully everything runs smoothly, and we'll finish the show unscathed. Mike, I think there's a greater chance of us finishing unscathed, honestly, today. Yeah, Beach Grove Wi-Fi. I, I, I'm all for Beach Grove Chamber of Commerce, but uh, my Wi-Fi has been kind of funky the last month or so, so. Come on, folks. Get on it. Come on. Here we go. Feed the hamsters. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll discuss the Colts' impending free agents. That's the big topic of today. Uh, there are a lot of them, chap, um, that uh, the Colts could have to make a lot of decisions about. We'll kind of break it down one by one and maybe do some overarching themes as we go through, of course. Um, also look at the salary cap situation, which is always uh, newsworthy year after year got to find a way to get under it somehow and as you know the Colts don't do some things that other teams sometimes do to get under the cap so we got to keep that in perspective as we're discussing this Uh, but first we'll start with the news of the week and as we were talking about just before the show every time the owner goes on uh, goes on a little maybe a rant uh, on Twitter you you have to take notice of it and of course it'll send all of us into a frenzy trying to figure out well, what does he mean by this? Does he trying to say more than what he's actually saying? What is this actually referring to? But I think one of the two tweets that uh, that was newsworthy over the weekend is very clear from him. And this is this is it from Jim Irsay saying, quote, you can see clear as day in the final eight NFL team playoffs. You need a QB and offense who can score 30 or more in regulation and a defense that can hold an opponent under 30 exclamation point. Duh. So, well, first of all, I'll say he's, he did this after Sunday night when both games were a shootout. Let's be honest, on Saturday, 20 points would have won because good defense and good special teams won those two games. You didn't need 30 from off. So I'm just, I just want to throw that out there before we begin. This is not entirely accurate from Jim Mercer. It was after seeing two specific games that he threw this out there. I, I think it's a reaction to seeing all the young guns in the AFC. I, I really do. I mean, he looks and sees... Mahomes and Allen and, and Burrow and Justin Herbert didn't even make the playoffs. And, you know, there, there's four or five or six young quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson uh, didn't make the playoffs. I think he's looking there and saying, this this is what you have to do. You know, he's, he's just sort of reinforcing that, yes, this is a quarterback-driven league. And, you know, 30, 30 a game, certain, what would the Colts average this year? 28-ish? Mm-hmm. Right around there, and, and they were they, they had a pretty good offense until until the last two weeks. Until they didn't, right? Uh, so th- this is a reaction to that, and 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 what we're never gonna, I don't think, have closure on is how they how they blend Ursay's desire commitment to have one of those young quarterbacks, which they don't have, with Chris Ballard's belief philosophy that the way you build a team is O-line, D-line, which they've sort of done, and we can argue how successfully because there's other areas that aren't where they need to be, key areas. So, uh, but I I think a lot of this has to do with firstly looking around and saying, boy, I remember when we had Manning and we had Luck, and and now we don't, and everybody else has got these young quarterbacks, and 
he, he's going to have to come to grips with, with one, that's a reality, and two, it's going to be very, very difficult to solve that issue. And, Chap, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about Jim Irsay's view as opposed to Chris Ballard's view. Because that, that was the first thing that came to my mind when I saw this tweet. Like, Joe, I really felt when I, when I saw it that it was really the first time that we saw, at least publicly, some kind of clash between those two at the top. That Chris Ballard likes to do things this way. Jim Ursay has seen great success here in Indianapolis with the Colts doing things a slightly different way, and that is scoring 30 or more and just have a defense that can keep him under 30. You know, that was what won a Super Bowl here. It's what got the Colts to a second Super Bowl. It's what won the multiple AFC South titles year after year after year. And I, I, it, you just got the sense, at least, and this is me saying I got the sense. This is not me saying I know this is happening. This is me saying I got the sense that there was a little bit of um, – a little bit of the poison that kind of Ballard referred to in his postseason press conference coming out from Jim Ursay through these tweets. I don't think all the poison from how the season ended is completely out of him yet right now. And we, we saw it, in my opinion, just by these by these tweets, these expressings of Jim Ursay's opinion on how a football team is supposed to be built that seems to kind of be a little bit at least at odds with how his general manager has built the team over the past five years or so. Well, and I think part of that is he knows this team, for the most part, is built to win now. I mean, we'll get into it in a few minutes, but if you look at the contract situations, it's not like the Colts have a ton of young players who are going to be on a rookie contract for years and years to come. There's decisions that are going to have to be made soon. Um, So the Colts don't have three or four years to wait and find that quarterback. Um, Their team is ready to win now, and if they don't get it done within the next year or two, they're going to be losing several good players in free agency. Jim also, Jim Ursay also singled out quarterback in this tweet. Uh, He could have just said, you need an offense that can score 30 and a defense that can hold an opponent under 30. But Mike, he specifically said, you need a QB and an offense who can score 30. And that is something that grabbed my attention again right away, that obviously Jim Ursay singled out quarterback for a reason. And I've said on this podcast, I've said it before just last week or the last couple of weeks as we've done some post postseason stuff that I, I thought that the the failures of the last two weeks were an entire team, like the entire team warranted blame, like the quarterback warranted blame, the wide receivers warranted blame, the line warranted blame, the defense warranted blame, the coaching warranted blame. And, and I said that I didn't think the quarterback in particular should be called out. And, and it seems like that's what Jim Irsay is doing here. He's calling out the quarterback above everyone else on this team by saying you need a quarterback and a QB that can score 30 or more in a defense that can hold an opponent under 30. He's, he's not saying you need an offense that can score 30 and a pass rush and a defense, you know, that can hold someone under 30. Or you need a coaching staff that can get you 30 points or more and an offense and defense. Like quarterback is specifically mentioned here in how Jim Ursay is upset with the Colts. And I found that very telling, again, that that would be the one thing that he points out over everything, that he, he singles out blame on the quarterback, on Carson Wentz, and this specific for the Colts. So this is, a, I think, a, for us, it is a little bit of an, a, a, an inlet into what Jim Ursay is truly feeling about how, how the Colts season ended and where he particularly assigned some blame to how things went down. Well, And, and this comes on the heel of, of the coach and the GM not really calling the quarterback out, but they certainly didn't show him much support uh, the week after the season ended with, with 
Frank Reich being, you know, as unsupportive as he's been of Carson Wentz. And Chris Ballard, I don't know how many times it was, six, seven, eight times, came back to quarterbacks, sometimes unprompted to where, hey, and he always, you know, it wasn't just Carson, but we need to, you know, we're going to be able to run the ball. We think we're going to be able to take the ball away, but we need stability at quarterback. Well, that's that's not exact. It's not necessarily calling your guy out, but that's really out of character for those guys to not be more supportive, even if they don't, if they're not committed to it. So, again, if I'm Carson Wentz, I'm certainly wondering what's going on, and whether we're going to get a resolution anytime soon. I don't know. Something will be done, or not done by what's it? March 16th is the start of free agency, mm-hmm. the start of the, the new league year free agency. Right. Because then, in like three days later, Wentz is doing another seven million dollars guaranteed. You know, they're on the hook for fifteen million regardless. And Joe and I were talking before we started this thing up. It's really it's it's how what goes around comes around. Every everything everything fell into place in '98 when Peyton Manning was there. They they were awful in '97, and things happened. Things happened, and Peyton's there. Everything fell into place in 2012 when you're awful in 11 when Peyton's not playing, and then who's there? Andrew Luck. Well, now if they decide to reload at quarterback, there's nothing there. And you've got very little uh, capital ammunition to make it happen. When, when you don't have a first round draft pick, it just, you know, people are going to call you and say, hey, uh, Russell Wilson might be available. What do you got? Well, we can give you a two this year and a, you know, a couple of ones. <laughs> When you don't have a one this year, that's what people want. And do they have players that you can dangle? I suppose Jonathan Taylor, in my mind, would be off limits. You know, I don't know where I don't know where I don't know who's off limits when you can get a quarterback. I don't know. I shouldn't say that, but mm-hmm. I just I can't see that. You've got him for two more years. Quentin Nelson. When you trade players, you trade their contracts. You just signed Darius Leonard to a big contract. You just signed Braden Smith to a big contract. You know, Ryan Kelly doesn't have a monster, monster contract, but teams don't generally want players, they want draft picks. And that's why, yeah, teams don't trade that often big trades for veterans one way or another, or a bunch of veterans going either way. Because, like you said, you you, you bring the contract on as well. Uh, the other tweet from Jim Irsay was a video on the plane, on his plane, telling the story. It's a, it's a pretty famous story. I think they did it in the West Wing, uh, among maybe other, other TV shows as well, but about a man who's in a flood and he's in his house, a uh, cop drives by and offers to give him a lift out. He says, no, God will save me. Then uh, a, um, a floodwaters start to rise. A boat comes by to the man's house saying, come on, hop on board. We'll, we'll take you out of here. The man says, no, God will save me. And the waters rise even further. The man climbs to the roof of his house. There's a helicopter that comes by, drops the, drops the ladder, says, climb on board. We'll save you. And the man says, no, God will save me. So everyone leaves. Uh, the man dies in the flood. God uh, meets the man at the pearly gates. The man says, what the heck? And God says, uh, well, I, I sent, you a, sent you a cop car, I sent you a boat, and I sent you a helicopter. What more could you ask for? So that, I hesitate to speculate about what exactly he's saying. Okay, Chad, why, why don't you go right ahead and speculate as to what Jim Mercer is talking about here? Vaccination. It, 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 that, that's a vax message. It, I, I, if I'm wrong, then, then I'm wrong. But I, I just think that's his, his way of saying, for everyone who doesn't, under, who, who doesn't believe in science and medicine and you believe in God, well, God's give, God has provided those things. I, I just think that's what he's saying. I think he is beyond 
beyond furious and frustrated that at the end of the season, COVID, Omicron, whatever, ravages this team. And you've got to be careful about making excuses or reasons. But is it possible that the fact that these guys all got in the last couple of weeks, were they just gassed? I mean, physically fatigued from it? I don't know. But I don't believe for go Go back to when we talked to uh, Jim Mercer. Was it training camp or before training camp? And how, you know, I want winners. I want guys who are going to do everything willing that, 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 that they can to, to, to win and bring championships and, you know, what was the, the 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 one quote that got me is I'm not going to name names, but we had guys that opted out last year. Well, there are only three, so I mean, it's not like you're. You, know, <laughs> you don't have to name names. We could list so them. So I, I think he's he was really really disappointed that the, the 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 majority of the leadership of the team were unvaxxed. I think that really bugged him, and a lot of them were guys that he gave massive contracts to yep you know and he's going to give quentin nelson a monster contract to you trade for for uh, carson Wentz. so i think that's what that was and i think again they did everything within their power to to urge their players to get vaccinated you can't mandate it because there's a union and the union wouldn't go for it so uh, will it be an issue going forward next year? You know where we'll be with with vaccine and, and and you know COVID or whatever variant comes down the pike. I don't know, but that's what I thought he was talking about. And he's not. I really don't believe he's happy about the way this season unfolded. Joe, I know there's going to be a lot of speculation this off season at quarterback, and heck, we're we're kind of feeding it right now, and and for good reason, I think. But if that is indeed what Jim Irsay is referring to. I think Colts fans should put to bed the idea right now that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a quarterback here in Indianapolis next year. And I'm sorry, I'm raining on your parade already. I've already ordered my jersey. What are you talking about? And your cheese? Can you? Does a cheese head come with it, or are those gone when he changes teams? No, no, no. He comes to Indy, and it's a pork tenderloin hat made of foam. There. It's funny. You know, it'd be, it'd be really interesting. Let's say that that in your wildest dreams that could happen. That would show you an owner and a team's uh, tolerance for things depending upon the, the, the player and the talent or the player you're dealing with. So maybe that's one where you say, yeah, he's unvaccinated and he's kind of squirrely, but heck of a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, I think the biggest – obviously, he's under contract with the Packers, so they, there's the issue of what could the Colts give up to acquire him. Um, hard to see them competing with teams like a team like the Broncos for that. And then comes the salary cap issue. I think he's due forty million, maybe a little over forty million this coming you year. You can make you can make that work. Well, you, well, you can make cap numbers work, but I, I get your point. Absolutely, but uh, the the assumption around the league is that where Rodgers go, Devontae Adams will also go, and he's going to command uh, at least twenty five million a year, maybe even close to thirty. Um, so that so that'd be quite a bit for a team with currently about forty to forty three million in cap space. Um, I think they could get creative and make something work, um, but it, it's it's definitely a long shot. But it is something that I try and think about to help myself go to sleep at night. 
Well, good, good luck with that. That's all I have to say. Let's continue. They, Go they, ahead, Mike. They have pills that work a lot better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Listen, yeah. Pat McAfee is recruiting hard over there. He's going to make something work. <laughs> you have faith. Like the man in the house, just have faith uh, that, that something will happen. Um, uh, more news from this week uh, that just come out today. In fact, the Colts have uh, let defensive line coach Brian Baker go, parted ways. And, uh, Chap, this is not something that Frank Reich has done too often uh, in his time in India, is let a coach go specifically. I mean, some guys have left for for other jobs, for other... Uh, yeah, they let the line coach go, Guglia... Guj, Coach Guj, the uh, Gugliamo. That, that was a, a philosophical... Right, it was a surprise because the line had done so well right. that year in 2018. So, yeah, you're right, it was a philosophical difference, something in there. Uh, and now, now Brian Baker's gone, and especially with Baker, who was... <laughs> Who is on uh, the University of Maryland football team with Frank Reich uh, back in the '80s? This this is a relationship that's been there for a long time. We know uh, Frank Reich and his uh, his pension for relationships and his belief in his guys. I think, and Chris Ballard saying even a couple weeks ago, postseason press conference saying he doesn't anticipate any coaching changes. This was probably one that hurt Frank Reich a little bit. I would imagine that that's just how I how how I took the news today. Yeah, and this is one where you really try to. I mentioned in the story I posted online is. How do you divvy up, I, I guess the, the, word, the phrase is who's to blame mm-hmm. for what went wrong? I'm talking defensively. They went from 40 or 41 sacks to, to 33, and this is when they didn't bring back Justin Houston, which I understood. Although he had a, and Nico Autry, who had, had two sacks that, that's in the first the, That's recording. the one. Yeah, yeah, Nico Autry yeah. is the one that liked. And, and Chris Ballard even mentioned that I think he regretted not bringing, bringing a veteran presence in. Uh so is is this a fact a, a result of you know a, the line was just wasn't good enough? DeForest Buckner played really really well again, but your your defensive tackle can't be your leading sack guy two years in a row. He, he just can't be. Uh, so is this a case of of players not developing through the coaching staff, or is it a case of give me better players? You know, and that, that's a that's a, a long long old argument that you have. I think they need better players. I, I wasn't comfortable going in to the season hoping Quiddy Pay would give you something. Uh, not really expecting Dio to do anything because of the Achilles. But then you're hoping Taekwon Lewis. You're hoping Kamoko Ture. You're hoping Mohammed. You're hoping. No, you weren't really hoping for Banagu. I won't go that far. <laughs> but you, you were really hoping for the young guys to develop. And Chris even mentioned he, he got a little bit short with us, I guess. Well, you all expect these guys to be Mathis and Freeney or you know emerge right away? No, not really. But I, I think again, I think if he if give him a mulligan, he would have run in a a veteran guy, whomever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I did, did Baker and the rest of the defensive staff not do a good enough job, or did they not have a good enough? tools to work with and that's an argument we can we can say for later i think it's very reasonable again to to disagree with chris ballard here and say i, I don't expect them to be uh freeney and mathis but after four or five years i expect second round picks to be able to get five sacks in a season right. I, I don't think that's ridiculous so uh so yeah that, that's where i was there the the, the defensive line i i whether it was Baker, whether it was the players, whatever it is, it, it, it wasn't working. So like you said, the, the ax needs to fall somewhere, the blame needs to fall somewhere, and Baker seems to be the first one to take something. I'm going to write on the Ed Rushers tomorrow or Friday, and one stat that just jumps out, I need to double-check it, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. The last, I, I can't find the last defensive lineman taken the first three rounds 
to sign a second contract unless it was Freeney. Because Robert Matt says, what was he, a five? Five, yeah. Uh, the, the last lineman that I can find that, that re-upped was like Feely Moala. I think he was a four, I think. Mm-hmm. So it, it's th- this is, this is a, a a Ballard issue, but it's also a Grigson issue. It's and an a organizational issue. issue th- yeah. this, go, this goes all the way back, and it just reinforces that it is tough to find these guys. But that's what you've got to do. You've got to find these guys. And if you can't find them, I, I, I'm at the point now that I – I'm, you know, hopefully Quiddy Pay is what they hope is what they expect him to be in, in year two and, and beyond. But that complimentary guy, I'm just convinced that that's what that, that's going to be the short term fix every other year. Find the Justin Houston, pay him whatever it was, two years, thirteen, fourteen million was it something year, like that? Something like that. So, so that's what I would do because you've got so many, so many problems that so many issues. I hate these word problems issues that. Quarterback, left tackle, edge rusher, uh, receiver, cornerback. Important uh, positions. I mean, yeah, I, I, I still I love this roster. I love the way this roster is put together, except the, the, the four or five. If you're, if you're building a team, if you're building your roster, you start quarterback, left tackle, edge pass rusher, you know, m- maybe a stud receiver and a corner. And that's where they've got issues. And on then the you work out. And then you work or work in with your with your defensive lines. Right, right, right. But 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 they've got for we're going into the second straight year with those being major issues or or at least concerns. Two members of the Colts coaching staff will coaching the East West Shrine Bowl. Offensive coordinator Marcus Brady is going to be the head coach of the West team, and tight ends coach Clayton Adams is going to be offensive coordinator out there. Uh, East-West Shrine Bowl is uh, college football's longest-running all-star game. More than 70 players from last year's game eventually made NFL rosters. So, Joe, this is a good opportunity uh, that uh, I- I'm sure you watch some of these bowls, of course, alongside with uh, your underwear Olympics, the uh, the NFL scouting combine, which, to be fair, I like as well. So uh, this is a good chance for uh, Colts coaching staff to get a little bit of an extra look at uh, some of these guys who are going to be available in the draft. Yeah, you know, it's it, the the Senior Bowl is the marquee one, but the coaches for that are usually two of the worst teams in the NFL. I think the Lions and the Jets are coaching up the Senior Bowl. But, you know, the Colts have had some solid players come in the final rounds of the draft or signed as undrafted free agents, and those are the kind of players that they can get a close-up view on uh, at the East-West Shrine Bowl. To what must have been the delight of Colts fans, the Tennessee Titans are eliminated from the playoffs. Goodbye. Their uh, loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, 19-16, to 16, was uh, a showcase of how Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions, including one that set up the game-winning field goal. And if that had happened... He's such a tease. Yeah, he is. He certainly is. Uh, and uh, Cincinnati has... They found themselves a kicker, let me tell you. We're going to talk about kicker a little bit later in this show, but... They spent a draft pick and got got a good kicker. And somebody tweeted, uh, it was an ESPN guy, um, tweeted something like, that's why you draft a kicker. And I responded, well, you got to draft the right kicker, let's be fair, because the last two years, four kickers have been drafted. Two of them are already out of the NFL. And so the other two are Tyler Bass in Buffalo, who they love, and then this kid, uh, McPherson, out in Cincinnati, who they love. So... Um, you need good special teams to win the playoffs. It's kind of going back to my point. Was from Justin a- Tucker drafted? I don't even remember about Tucker. You know, Vinatieri was. I mean, Vinatieri was undrafted. I, I know, yeah, I, I know what they're saying. And, and, and I think you can argue that I, I always saw like in college football how these major, major 
powers with all your scholarships. You can't you you can't have a kicker, a reliable kicker. Mm-hmm. And how many times it was at Florida State, Bobby Bowden? Yep. Did he lose national titles? Because wide of a left, kicker? wide right. How do you wide left too? Wide right. So two. at least at least have a guy that you trust. Justin Go Tucker ahead, was undrafted. Okay. That's the the, the vast majority of, of top kickers. Not only were they not drafted, they, they didn't emerge with their original team. They they, mm-hmm. they bounce around a little bit. So, uh, I but but if, but if you're sold on a guy, go get him fifth round. Why, why wouldn't you? And instead of taking an, another linebacker or cornerback. And and here's my point again. You're talking about Florida State kickers. Roberto Aguayo, like four or five years ago, was a second round pick from Tampa Bay. I, I know Joe's shaking his head at this already, but again, he's a guy that I saw in Tallahassee just. Every kick, 45 yards, 50 yards, was boom, right through the center of the uprights with 10 yards to spare all the time. He won the Lou Groza Award as a freshman. I think he missed maybe one kick as a freshman. And when they won the national championship, his sophomore year, he was great. His junior year, he was great. He went out to the NFL, and he was terrible. He couldn't hit anything. Something happened. What's his nickname? Did he have a nickname? Roberto Aguayo. He might have. I don't remember. Does he? No nickname. It doesn't stick. I mean, McPherson, they're calling him Money Mac. All right. Oh, Every gosh. good they're... kicker needs a nickname. Okay, so it's Money Badger. It's Money Mac for the love. Hot Rod. So, so you, so, and then it's Hot Rod. And what's Justin Tucker? Just the goat? Just the best. I don't think I'm allowed outside to say of Vinatieri, it on the podcast. The second but... goat? The new goat? Whatever. So anyway. Sebastian Janikowski was Seabass, first-round pick. He, was he a first-round pick? He was a first-round pick way back in the day. But they had him for, what, 15, 18 years? I don't know. So, like, at the end of the day, you look back, and you're like, well, eh. I mean, they didn't – did they win a Super Bowl with him? Did they – no, they lost the Super Bowl. They, would they have lost the Super Bowl with him? Because, again, I, I always go back to what McAfee always used to tell us in the locker room. He said the kicker is the only guy that, that every, every time he's on the field, there are points at stake. Yep. So, you know, and we've seen how teams lose or have short tolerance for kickers. You know, there was a stretch, I think Dallas won three Super Bowls in four years with the Jimmy Johnsons and, and Switzer. And I think they had three different kickers. So it's the, 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 the impression is you can always find a kicker, you can always replace them. Well, this past weekend, which was unbelievable, where you have four kickers. What the, the all four kicks with time as, as time expired? Yep. It's, it's incredible. And, and, and as I, when I talked to Vinatieri over the last couple of days, he used some obscene words that I won't <laughs> use, but he said, and those weren't, you know, real good conditions. No. So uh, he said, you know, great day for great weekend for kickers. And you, you, you never want a kicker, you never need a kicker until you need a kicker. So, uh, Kicking, kicking in temperatures that feel like zero degrees. Correct. You're kicking a brick. Yeah, is, is less than comfortable. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, thoughts on the Chiefs-Bills game, uh, the overtime. Uh, a- a- anything that we, we want to add to the discussion? Uh, Joe, we'll start with you. Since you put this on the rundown, maybe you had one or two, uh, two ideas about uh, NFL overtime rules and, and uh, thoughts for the future of the league. Well, my first takeaway was we kind of discussed it with – with Ursay, but just like if the Colts are going to compete in the AFC, they need a quarterback who can win a shootout, win that kind of game. Obviously, the Colts' philosophy when they're playing the Chiefs or the Bills would be run the hell out of the ball and don't allow, turn it into a shootout. But they need some kind of quarterback who can keep up. 
Uh, my second thought, you know, all the debate over the overtime rules. I wanted to see what you guys thought. I don't feel strongly either way. Everyone says it's decided by the coin toss. Well, it's decided by the defense who can't get a stop. Uh, I wouldn't hate to see both offenses maybe get one guaranteed possession, and then after that, if it's still tied, go into sudden death. But I wanted to get your, you guys' thoughts on the overtime rules since so many people think they're unfair. I, I wouldn't mind seeing both offenses and both defenses get a chance. And in there, special teams obviously comes into it as well because if you score a touchdown, you need to make the extra point and whatnot, or punting comes into it. So so if you do that, then you, you get all all units on the field at the same time. I would be just fine with that, but I'm also just fine with how it is right now. I really am. I'm not up in arms over the way the NFL overtime rules are set up. And I do think that it does kind of, like, it, 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 all, it all is intertwined here in my mind about how all of our discussions that we've had so far today and how teams are supposed to be built and how, yes, the quarterback matters, but when you lose, there's entirely blame to go around. Like, when, when the Bills lost, you can't blame Josh Allen for that, obviously. Like, the defense needs to step up. And that the number, the number one defense. Yeah. Yeah. In the league. I mean, right. First in yards, first in points. If right. Uh huh. They, they need to just stop someone one time. 13 seconds to play. 13, 13 seconds. 13 seconds. And you're at the 25 yard line. Make a stop. Yeah. Special teams. Squib the ball. Yep. Make him use mm-hmm. five seconds. A couple seconds there. Whatever. So, yep. yeah, it's. Uh, or, or or do the re, the what what Sanchez does so well and sky it and line it in, line it down land it inside the five rather if and if you don't have confidence in your kicker to do that you're right squib it but but if you do that and it's going to bounce around you're going to take some time off the clock right so that, that that's why I, I I agree I would like ideally like to see both teams have a possession but let's say they go touchdown touchdown and then Kansas City gets the ball back and they drive for a field while the game's over and Josh Allen's sitting there thinking wait a minute. Don't I get a chance? No, you've got to have an ending to it. What if if you give both teams possession? What might happen? What might happen is the team that counters with, with a answering touchdown. Maybe they go for two because they know that all, all Mahomes needs now is a field goal. Right. So and I I really get tired of this. Well, you you can't extend this because of player safety. Baloney. <laughs> Any, anyone who wants to run out that uh, player safety boat. 17 games, really? We're going to have 18 games before too long? So don't, and, and that's one of the reasons if, that's one of the reasons the competition committee cut the overtimes from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. Right. To limit the place. Well, I'm sorry. Don't give me that stuff anymore because you're already extending the season by a, a week and you're going to do two weeks before too long. So, don't do it for that reason because that just blows everything out of the water as far as what you're trying to accomplish. Chap not having it, ladies right. and gentlemen. Mm-mm, not going to happen. Um, yeah. So. But that was a fun. That was a fun game. It was a fun. It was a fun weekend, man, and especially a fun Sunday. My goodness. And, was, and to drive home the anti-Wentz wave right now, I believe Mahomes threw for more yardage after the two-minute warning than Wentz did in either of the last two games. It was, like, it was like 177 for Mahomes in the last two minutes on overtime. It'd be nice to have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Like, and true. Let, I, I, true. I, I, I want to at least keep throwing that out there because you guys know how I feel about and, Carson and that's why Wentz. We, 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 and 
we're going down a rabbit hole. We got, but it's our podcast. it's our time. Yeah, we can do what we want. When all when you see these, you know, who's the hot young coordinator and all this stuff? Well, I go back to when the Colts. I'm dating myself when they brought in Ted Marchabroda, who was a coordinator in Buffalo, to be the head coach. And said, well, you're going to bring the Kelly, the K gun attack. Well, you know, only if you can bring Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and all these guys. So. I understand bringing in these hot coordinators, but they're not bringing their talent with them. So, you know, how much of it is coordinating? How much of it is talent? I'm still a players guy. You need players. But uh, that's that's the rabbit hole I'm in. Yeah, our uh, our friend at the Athletic, Zach Kiefer, tweeted out something today and showed just the receiving yardage totals. That was ridiculous. It, it was horrible. Like, you, you have 1,000 yards from Michael Pittman this year. And the next best was Zach Pascal, who had 380. First time since 1988 that they didn't have two receivers with at least 400 yards. That that is embarrassing. Sure, and and they give you the spin. Well, we like to spread the ball around. You don't spread it around that much. <laughs> you don't have 20 guys with 300 yards receiving. No, and, and that's why again, it, it's it's there's they've got so much work to do, and and it's going to be really you, they've got to be careful, and I'm sure they will be on on. How much you're dumping on Wentz? How much of it was his lack of leadership? What, whatever. The tight end. This was this was the the, the the least effective tight end group they've had in a long time. The receiving group. Michael Pittman. I st- I'm still. I'll come back and regret this. I still. I'm not convinced he's a one. I, I just think he's a really really good number two. You know, two A maybe, but. They they need they need a guy opposite him that they don't have. Michael Pittman, where would he rank Joe on Cincinnati's depth chart at receiver? Three, or would he be two? Him and Higgins, him and Higgins would be pretty close. I think him and Higgins would be pretty close. Um, if you if you want to put him behind Higgins, that's fine, but it wouldn't be by much. I mean, I, he need, he needs help. He needs help. They were drafted one right after the other. As well, two years ago. I mean, Higgins was 32, Pittman was 33, if I'm not mistaken. Or 33 and 34, because they were the first two in, yeah, in, the, in the second round. So, so it's, again, like I say, when, when, when everybody's piling on wins, and with good reason, let's keep in mind that, that there wasn't a lot to work with, although, goodness gracious, his overthrow of T.Y. against the Raiders, wow. Mm-hmm. That, that's a playoff That's a playoff miss right there. Mm-hmm. So. So uh, it's, this is one where I'd have a really hard time defending Wentz the second half of the season. But at the same time, they've got to do whatever they can to increase the toolbox in the offseason. And my point, just, just to, to try to further hammer home and so people understand, when I, when I talk about the entire team, and not, I, I don't want to put things like that totally on Wentz. Like, you say that, that's a playoff miss. But I say Kenny Moore not being able to guard Hunter Renfro is a playoff miss either. And Kenny Moore not being able to guard uh, Marvin Jones Jr.'s playoff miss. But people aren't calling for Kenny Moore's head right, right. now. So like, so, so that's, that's, that's my background when I approach this. And There's I say you can't – you, you, Yes, you, you cannot just – that's why I wouldn't say like Carson Wentz is a playoff miss. And, and I, I'm not trying to, to stir up disagreement between us right here. I'm just trying to further clarify my opinion. Uh, uh, about the state of the team, and I, I think we're we're pretty much on the same page. 
think we're just using different words right. from time to time. So uh, anyway, that brings us to our discussion about Colts and their free agents. Uh, according to Over the Cap and Spot Rack, the Colts will have about 40 to $43 million available uh, this offseason, which they have had some, some room in the past. And you, you can say that Chris Ballard has come under fire a little bit, I think, Chap, for, for not using uh, the salary cap in the past and not going out to spend on guys. And we keep pr- pr- telling him this, you know, in the offseason. Hey, is this the offseason you think you can make a move? You think you can think you would want to uh, explore things more in terms of uh, bringing a big free agent signing? And his responses are always predictable. It's uh, one, he brings up DeForest Buckner. Because they traded away a first-round pick and and spent a whole lot of money to sign him. $84 million extension. Exactly. But when you look at pure free agency, still the free agent that he has given the most money to is Jonathan Hankins, which was a $29 million contract for three years back in 2018, I think, or 2017, right around there, one of those two years. So anyway, in pure free agency, he has not spent all that much, and... We, we continue to point to things like pass rush. We continue to point to things like weapons on the outside. We continue to point to things like quarterback over the years that has not been dealt with. And the fact that it is over and over and over the same things year after year and that they continue to have this salary cap space year after year, I think I understand the fans' frustration that what are you saving it for, the salary cap space, when we continue to know the problems and they continue to pop up season after season? And I thought I don't have this quotes in front of me but he he did sort of mention that that he was talking with somebody or whatever and he you know and smart people they do change their approach a little bit you know if if they have to i think this might be one of those issues where jim ursay might be a little more forceful than he has been in the past uh because again the avenues to, to, to replenish the certain areas you need you can't do it. You, you won't be able to do it through the draft. You, you just won't. And I, I think he will be a little more forceful on. Here's my money. Here's my checkbook. You know, because you can make you can make contracts work as far as how you how you structure and they they are totally against backloading contracts for for very very correct reasons. You don't want to have dead money sitting there. But one thing with the cap. Again, you can. Joe and I were talking. You you can make the cap sing. You you can make it do whatever you want. But keep in mind of the forty some million that would go to about. They would include. They could add thirteen million if you cut bait with Carson Wentz. You pick up an extra thirteen million. But Quentin Nelson's got a contract extension coming. It's it's coming. The question is, how big is it? Right. And it's going to be big. <laughs> you know, this is one we're going to find out how 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 high is up. So that that's going to take. I'm not going to say half of your cap space, because again, you you can do something. And I I don't mind backloading extensions to some degree, because you're 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 reinvesting in in what you know more than a guy you don't know. But uh, again, we, we make a big deal of cap space, which I understand. I was, I was looking to another rabbit hole with, with Sean Payton leaving the Saints. They have no quarterback, and they are seventy four million dollars. Over the cap, they're in trouble. Over, over the cap, so so these guys are about? in good shape. They have shape. Taysom Hill; he can do everything. Like I said, like <laughs> I said. Uh, so so again, there's there's teams off worse. The Packers are forty something, you know, but they they have they have avenues 
to use in free agency, and I just think this will this will be a season where Drew Mercer is a little more forceful on, on convincing his GM to go a little bit, a little not crazy, not not Bill Belichick crazy like they were last year, but a little more forceful in 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 investing their money in free agents. I just I just think they have to. I think there have been times that that Jim Mercer has kind of dipped his toe in those waters. I think T.Y. Hilton last offseason is one that Chris Ballard specifically said that Jim Mercer said, go ahead and do it, even though he wasn't quite on board, Ballard was, right. for to bring back T.Y. for exactly what the Colts paid for him. Uh, that that could be something that, like you said, but we'll see more large, of this year. Chris Ballard has had a number, and he has stuck right. with it. Yes. Which, you know, and he gave me a couple of examples a few years ago on guys that they almost, you know, increased offers for and, and – and as it turned out, those guys didn't work out right. elsewhere. So he, he believes in it. I think he that's in his core on how you do it. Because he, like like Bill Pullian, he looks at when you're re-upping your own players, that's sort of free agency. Yeah. When, when you're re-upping Darius Leonard and, and Ryan Kelly and Braden Smith and Naheem Hines, that's sort of that's sort of free agency. You can't have you can't have it all. Do you do you want to invest in somebody else's discards or your own people? Well, if you do it right, it's your own people. But I just think they have to be a little more aggressive in free agency this year. They have to. Some Colts entering the final year of their contract in 2022, so they're still in town this year. They're not free agents yet, but Quentin Nelson, Bobby Okereke, Rocky Seen, Kari Willis, Jack Doyle, who could retire, Paris Campbell, and Hot Rod Rodrigo Blankenship. Um, you look at all these, and you say Quentin Nelson's contract is coming. There's also the avenue that he finishes out this year of his contract. He's franchise-tagged even for a year or two years in the future, so they could put off a long-term contract for a while. I know the franchise tag hasn't exactly been something that they've used either in recent years, but that is also a possibility for Quentin Nelson to not tie up this big number for a while. That, that's at least possible in there. And the problem there is, I mean, the franchise number gets to be so big, then why didn't you just do a three- or four-year deal? Right. You're, that, you're completely right. So, But, no, I, I, that would be – I think that's only an option. If, if they're they, really butting if, heads. If, if they come in and say, we want a number that is just – you almost laugh at. Yeah. So, and again, I, I think we can have a podcast one day about making a, a guard the highest paid offensive lineman in league history. Because I we, we we could talk forever about that, and that's pretty much it, it's going to be. He's going to he's going to rival Trent Williams' money, which is mm-hmm. what twenty three million a year. Mm-hmm. It's up there. For the record, the projected franchise tender for twenty twenty two, so it it would not be this year. Um, per over the cap is sixteen to seventeen million. So. Probably still save them several five, six, seven million from what Quentin's going to demand. Right, probably would. So, so that's like I said, I wanted to at least throw that out there as a possibility. But those are the guys that are at least we think that maybe Jim Mersey and the Colts uh, or Chris Bauer and the Colts want to extend them so that they never hit free agency. So that's something that your forty to forty-three million can go to. But when you look specifically at free agents, guys who will be out uh, outside of the building as of March sixteenth this year, it starts with T.Y. Hilton. 10 years in the NFL, all of them here in Indianapolis, 32 years old. Uh, he was a less than $7 million toward the cap last year. Um, in the last three seasons, he's played in 35 games, uh, has 124 receptions, uh, nearly 1,600 yards, 13 touchdowns. Uh, Chap, I was, I was all on board with bringing T.Y. Brat back this year. Uh, I think, it was, I think what, ha- what we saw was less than what I expected 
and you think the injury had something to do with that for sure in the late preseason. But, of course, T.Y., with his uh, – he, he has told us cryptically that uh, he's not, not telling us what, what he wants to do. But I think the, uh, the smart money, if you polled all of us uh, who interview him week after week, would be T.Y. Hilton, not even from the Colts side of things, from his side of things, will not be back in Indianapolis and maybe not even in the NFL at all next year. I think he retires. <laughs> I just do. I remember when he came back from the neck surgery where he said he had, you know, I think I can't remember the exact quote, but you know that entered his mind back then. So I think he and Jack Doyle kind of go out as a pair. But uh, he, he's been such a great Colt. But there comes a time when, if the player won't say it, then you tell him that it's time to move on. Zach Pascal again at wide receiver as well. He's had four years all with the Colts in the NFL. And if you had asked me last off season, I would have said Zach Pascal had gotten better year after year. I would say he had been taking significant improvements forward. At the very least, he was a great special teamer, and he does still uh, give contributions to special teams. But on the field this year, I think he did finally, Joe, take a step back. Um, And for whatever reason, I don't know, because he started off the year pretty well, uh, clicking with Carson Wentz, caught a couple touchdowns early on. But then the second half of the season, his stats are just godly low, and it was not good. Something fell off. Uh, He had drops here and there, and things did not. I don't know what he's going to ask for, what he's going to demand on the open market, but he's another one that I could see the Colts moving on from given the way things ended this year uh, for him. Yeah, it wasn't just that. It was a lack of targets. I mean, when the ball came his way, like you mentioned, drops, and he just didn't do a whole lot with it. By far his worst season since his rookie year, 38 catches for 384 yards, three touchdowns. We were talking going into the year that he had back-to-back seasons with over 600 yards. Um, and, and I kind of agree with you. The guy's 26. I think he's kind of reached his peak at this point, and I think it's time for the Colts to move on, maybe get some younger, more explosive players in the offense. Ashton Doolin is uh, kind of kind of the new Zach Pascal, I guess, a guy who came up in special teams and uh, showed a couple flashes this year. Uh, you say, you know, Joe, that he's a restricted free agent. Uh, he spent three years all here in Indy. Uh, chap, you look at him in the preseason. Some people were saying, well, maybe they, they leave Doolin off the roster and they, uh, they keep Strawn on there. They keep uh, Patman on there. Uh, there was some, some speculation back then as to his worth for the team. I think he proved, obviously, his worth for the team with a second-team All-Pro nod. And a, um, I believe he's a – was he a Pro Bowler this year? No. I can't remember. I, no, I don't think I he was. Yeah, no, yeah, me too. But but I mean, he's down there on every punt. Uh, if he doesn't make the tackle, he's he's catching the ball that that Rigo put out there to to down it somewhere inside the twenty. So he he has tremendous value on special teams. I think as long as Bubba Ventrone is here, Ashton Doolin's going to have a spot on this roster. The problem we run into when we, we look at these, and we're, we're we can argue very easily not to bring any of these guys back. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a guts of your receiver room. I mean, you're you're gonna. So, so what do you? It's it's always easy to to get rid of guys. It's tough to replace them. You know. So right. Let's say if you bring none of these guys back, then your receiver room starts with Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. C- can you depend on Paris Campbell? You know, God love him. He's a great guy and all this, but he he just hasn't played. And then you got Des Patman and you got Michael Strawn who. Even when they needed help at receiver, they they didn't. I think Chris Ballard said he just wasn't ready. He never saw the field, even Which, though they needed it, help. It was a it was a big jump from 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 Charleston State or right. whatever. So so it's again they've got some tough College issues because they've got so many players 
at the same offensive line. We'll get to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the three or four starters are in place, but everybody else is a free agent. So you've got to be careful about just throwing people out and not resigning them because all of a sudden then, you, while you're looking to find top-end free agents to make a difference, the pass rusher, the receiver, whatever, you're getting the depth of your roster, and that's what you have to be careful about. Yeah. Uh, you also, of course, have to take in what guys will bring in uh, and command in terms of salary. and so, Z- so you can bring a lot of these guys back at your price. Exactly. So you can bring these guys back cheaper. Zach Pascal cost $3.4 million last year. Ashton he Doolin- won't cost that next no, year. No, he will not. Ashton Doolin was just less than uh, $1 million. Um, they'll they'll tender him, I would imagine, uh, for another Probably year. Probably the low tender, which I haven't got the number. Yeah, Joe might have him. No, but it, the, won't, it won't be real expensive. To no, back. like I think Pascal last year was the high tender at three point four million. Was that was like second a second tender. round tender, wasn't he? Yes, he was. A, he was the second level tender. Second level, okay. Pascal and uh, uh, George Molly, Odom. Molly, no, George. He's the first. No, George was low. Was low. He oh, was, you're he right. Was PO'd about it. Yeah, he was. He was less than pleased. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, so let's see. After Ashton Duell, next one on our list here is Eric Fisher. Um, nine years experience. Chap already shaking his head in here. Um, I think uh, of the of the free agent signings um, that that Chris Ballard has made. Eric Fisher certainly goes down as a disappointing one. Uh, he he had some some fine moments, but there were too many too many not fine moments uh, that happened with him as a in Pro Bowl. Prote- yeah, in, in in pass protection specifically. Um, I'm I don't know if it was the injury that he just never got back from. Never got back to 100. percent Chris Bowd was talking about Eric Fisher, says he thinks he has plenty of good football left uh, in his postseason press conference. But, uh, Joe, if it's here in Indianapolis, I'd be a little surprised because things uh, things did not uh, pan out well on the left side of the line this year. No, I think I saw he gave up six sacks this season, um, which which isn't good. And then, you know, we were talking back in the summer. Another option was Charles Leno, where Washington re-signed him for a, another three-year deal. Uh, somebody that, you know, was in Chicago the same time Ballard was, I believe. So um, you kind of go look back at those decisions. Well, the Colts could have signed Fisher or Leno. They went with Fisher. Um, I don't think Fisher's back. I just mostly because I think the Colts are going to say we could use that money best somewhere else. But I, I'm not going to completely rule it out because kind of like quarterback, it's hard to find decent options at left tackle. So if it's not Fisher... They're either going to have to pay up for somebody like maybe a Teron Armstead um, who's going to command over $20 million per year. So are you going to pay both him and Quentin Nelson over $20 million? Or do you bring back a guy like Fisher and hope he gets better in that second year after the Achilles on, you know, like we said, he didn't have a great season. So I don't th- think Fisher's going to command high-end money, maybe $10 million a year or something like that a band-aid for a year or two, maybe you draft a left tackle in the second round, sign Fisher for one year. I think it's possible, but if I had to bet, I think Fisher's probably gone. On the offensive line, continuing there, um, Mark Lewinsky and Chris Reed are both going to be free agents. Those are the two that kind of platoon there at right guard this year. Uh, Glowinski, seven years of experience, last four he's been with the Colts. Chris Reed had six years of experience in the NFL, just this last year was signed for a one-year deal with the Colts. Um it, when, when you look at who's gonna, like who who they want to resign, this this chap could be one one of the cheaper one of the ones you can cut because Glowinski was a seven point five million dollar cap hit. Chris Reed was only about one million. And I think he performed fine 
there. This this might be the time that the Colts move off of Mark Lewinsky, especially if they have Danny Pinter in the pipeline, too, if they want to promote him. We know how much Chris Ballard thinks about Danny Pinter, too. Um, maybe they're both gone and Pinter's your starter and they sign someone else in the background. But um, I, I would be very surprised if both of these guys are, are Colts again next year, Glowinski and Reed. But one needs to be. Yeah, I, I would you, agree you with just, you. You just can't let these, as I said, you just can't let these guys go and say, well, we'll find, we'll find somebody. You want depth, yeah. Right, and and Chris Reed played well enough at some point to where he replaced Glowinski. Right. Now, Glowinski finished, you know, came back and Glowinski was the guy. And I'm thinking Glowinski's probably the better player. But I don't know if they're going to bring him back at $7 million. I just, I just don't see that. And... But then, but then if you don't, then all of a sudden Chris Reed says, "Well, I'm not going to play for you know a million. Oh, right. So you so you got to be kind of careful. And, and as you go on down the list, like I said, Matt Pryor's a free agent. Mm-hmm. They like him, and Chris Ballard didn't didn't rule out him being a short term answer at left tackle. Right. I think they'd much rather him be the swing backup tackle. You know, Devin. the old Joe Wrights. Right, there. right. Yeah. Which you know we always sort of took him for granted until until you jo- didn't have Joe Wrights. Joe's anymore. out there playing. Yeah. But then again, Pryor and then Davenport and, and Tevy. So it's you look around, you know, if you look at the, the offensive line room on March 17th, there's like four guys <laughs> sitting there with, yeah. with, with, with seats. So, again, it, it's, it's I, I keep harping on this. It's so easy to say, yeah, he wasn't very good. Get rid of him. Well, you, you can't replace everybody. You just right. can't. So it, I, I think one of those guys, need, I would bring Glowinski back, but he's going to be the one that costs the most. Of the two, so it's it's tough decisions. You you blew through the three other tackles there: Matt Pryor, Julian Davenport, Sam Tevy. Yeah, so I don't know if there's much discussion, especially that we need with Davenport and Tevy. I would I would hope the Colts would prioritize bringing Matt Pryor back. I think he was extremely solid for them both. Well, they tra- when they he traded re- for him. Yeah, they, they, they traded for him, so they they liked him. Exactly, they traded for. He started at right tackle, left tackle, and guard, so he could also play guard for you. Maybe you bring back Pryor. He's your swing tackle slash guard, and then you put Pinter at guard if you don't want to resign Chris Reed or Glowinski. And I kind of agree as far as the guard conversation. I agree with Dave where I think Glowinski is better than Reed, but not by much. So when you look at the price for each, I think Chris Reed you can give him a two three million dollar raise and still probably pay less for him than Glowinski. So do you give one guy a, a pay cut or one guy a pay raise. If I had to guess, I think they re-signed Reed and Pryor. Let's look at some uh, weapons on the outside on offense. Tight end Mo Cox, running back Marlon Mack, both set to be free agents this year. When you look at Mo, he spent his entire four-year NFL career with the Colts, obviously played college basketball at VCU, has had some incredible moments here in Indianapolis. Very highlight, real worthy. And then has had some where the ball just goes right through his hands. And so you're still left shaking your head a little bit at Mo Alleycox um, after four full years. And this last year really saw a lot of playing time because it was him and Jack Doyle out there. And Kylan Granson sprinkled in here and there, the rookie. But uh, but Mo, I think, had a chance to, to shine a bit this year. And whether it was uh, whether it was him, whether it was Marcus Brady not getting it to him, whether it was Carson Wentz not getting it to him, he just didn't have any type of really flash-worthy plays this year that makes me think that he's a priority. We need to have Mo Ali Cox chat back in this building. What they've got to decide is, is this him? I mean, for the last three years, you know, he's still developing. He's raw. And at some point, you can't be raw. You can't still be developing because all of a sudden you're putting money behind that commitment. Uh, I wouldn't mind him back as my, you know, what third guy, 
but again, if, if Jack leaves, which everyone expects Jack to retire, once again, the, the tight end room is extremely thin. Mm-hmm. So tough decisions. Marlon Mack, God love him. He needs to go somewhere else to where he can he can resurrect his career. I think he can still play. We saw flashes. Mm-hmm. But what was he, inactive for the last eight games? Whatever yep, it was. something like that. So uh, I hope he goes somewhere and, ter- and has that burst where mm-hmm. for two or three years he's the guy again. Mm-hmm. I-, I agree. And and Joe hates running backs, but I'll still get, get his opinion on, on Marlon anyway. Yeah, I think Marlon's gone. I mean, he, he just wasn't providing anything to the team, like you said, for the last part of the year. And I think he's somewhere he can go be a part of a, a strong part of a committee somewhere else. I think if Jack retires, you bring Mo back just because he is a solid blocker. He knows the offense and he, you need bodies out there. And I don't think Mo Alley Cox is going to cost very much money. Um, he, he's 28 years old. I think he is what he is at this point, And I don't think there's going to be a lot of outside bidders hoping that he could become the next big thing at tight end. Um, I, I think you bring Mo Alley Cox maybe back for one more year while you try and find your long-term replacement at tight end. And Marlon Mack, he's had five years in the NFL, but he's only 25 years old, too. So I think Yes, he had the Achilles, but not a lot of wear and tear on the legs the last couple of years. Right. So I, I think some team is going to take a chance on Marlon. It's, just, it's not going to be the Colts. Wherever he goes, maybe he goes to Philly because uh, Nick Sirianni is there. He has some experience with him. Maybe he goes uh, elsewhere down to Miami because he's from. Uh, he went to USF or Tampa or somewhere. But I, I would not be surprised if he goes somewhere and is productive somewhere for sure um, next year. So, so best of luck to Marlon. Uh, but all of us expect him to be gone. And that brings us to kicker Michael Bashley. Um, spent his last season with the Colts. Uh, he's 26 years old. Hit uh, 80% of his field goals in his career. Uh, 122 of 127 PATs. With the Colts, he was 18 of 21, hit 86% nearly of his field goals, all of his PATs, uh, but uh, didn't hit a couple of those long ones. And that was that was the deal. And that was the deal with Hot Rod as well. And, and so you, you look at those two guys, um, chap, and it, it seems like they're the same guy to me. It does. Like I think both of them are pretty consistent from closer and really – we have not seen any consistency when it gets 45 plus, and especially when it gets 50 plus. Can they hit it? Yeah, we see them in warmups. They've got the leg to do it, but then they trot them out there for kicks that matter in the games. And you can't have 51, 52 yard field goals coming up short in the NFL. And so, like this offseason, with Badgley being a free agent, we're going to see what Chris Ballard and Frank Reich really think, I think, about Hot Rod. And his future with the team, if they decide to bring, even if they decide to bring Badgley back in, on a on a tryout basis throughout, or a one year deal, yeah, which won't be guaranteed, right? Which would be essentially a tryout basis, I right, think, for right, for a one year right. deal. But um, but but Joe, this is um, this could be a battle throughout throughout training camp that that we don't even know until next September, really, when when the season is on, because um, that they just didn't want to take the job away from from Badgley this year. Um, I, I, I would be, I, I would not be surprised. I should say, if they give him another chance to, uh, to compete just head to head with a fully healthy hot rod, a fully hu- healthy uh, Bashley, and then let the chips fall where they may, and pick one at the end of next, uh, next training camp to go with. I'm right there with you. Give him a cheap, non guaranteed deal, and I think Bashley will be the new Pinero, where uh, Hot Rod is battling with them throughout training camp, and we'll see. Let, let the best leg win in that situation. 
How about some defenders? At cornerback, Xavier Rhodes and TJ Carey are both free agents. They're both 31 years old. Uh, Xavier had a very slow start to the year when he was injured and then finished the year injured as well. Um, TJ Carey also was injured for a good portion of this season. I think he has value in his flexibility, TJ Carey does, to be more interior and not just exterior. He can play a little bit of both. Um, but both of these guys are veterans in the room. Um, both of them uh, have have some type of value. But, again, two guys that, uh, that Joe, do not scream to me, uh, we need these guys back somehow for some reason in the locker room. So, again, two guys that I, I don't think would be ne- necessarily you have to bring back to Indianapolis next year. I think they're both gone. I mean, Xavier Rhodes coming off of his better year in 2020 wasn't even a guy the Colts brought back right away. He went out and saw what he could get on the open market and ended up coming back to Indianapolis. Um, you know, I think it's time to get younger at the cornerback position, maybe get a little faster out there. And I think the rise of Isaiah Rogers kind of makes these guys expendable. Any further thoughts there, chap? Nope, Not I really. agree. Yep, there you go. Uh, defensive line, uh, some big ones here. Tyquan Lewis, Kamoko Ture, Al-Qadine Muhammad, Taylor Stallworth, Antoine Woods, Isaac Rochelle. Once again, like the offensive line, chap, come March 16th, that's going to be a pretty barren room right there. When you look down that list of players, um, I think Tyquan Lewis comes back here. Uh, and I'll start with him because Chris Ballard brought him up twice completely un- unprovoked in his postseason press conference talking about how Taekwon was playing. So I- I'd anticipate of all these guys, the one that is most likely to come back to Indianapolis next year would be Taekwon Lewis. Do you agree? Do you disagree? For what Agreed. reasons? Yeah, agree. Because he-, he was playing pretty well. Now, again, it's was it a patella tendony tour? Yeah, that's not nice. A- you know, and you, you want to talk about plays that cost him. He, he tears it on his first career interception. Awful. And he fumbles, and then, you know, play later, they score. So, yeah. But I, I think they really like him. Now, the question is going to be is, will next year be one of those for the first half of the season? He's getting back in shape, you know, I mean, from, from the injury. So, but, yeah, they've got so many issues on defensive line. And how many times did they say we, they want to play in waves? They need, you know, they, they want to play eight or nine every week. Well, you need, if that's the case, you need like ten on your roster. And – the problem is a lot of these guys are rotational guys. Kamoko Ture, it's time to move on. It just is. Mohammed, mm-hmm. I like him as a rotational guy, but then as some people point out, and somewhat correct, the more he plays, the, the less someone else's, a younger player's playing. And the other guys, I think, are just they're just guys you can... You, you can, can replace. You, you can replace. Stallworth, Woods, Rochelle. But of all these guys, I bring back Tyquan Lewis. One, he's not going to cost you mm-hmm. a heck of a lot. And I think he's got he's got pretty good upside. I like Taylor Stallworth too, to be fair, on the inside. Not not that I love him, but I, I like him as a rotational guy for sure. And I think he has some value here. Um, he had one good game where he had like two sacks. Right. Remember and, that? And all of a sudden, he was a, he was a, a hero. He was like Star- Taylor Stallworth. Right. Yeah, hey, good for him. 15, yeah, fifteen minutes of fame. Right. Yeah. So so that was good. But yeah, I like Kamoko Ture is a guy that we've we've talked about for years on this podcast, thinking that like. I, I think Joe even had him for like a breakout star a year or two ago after um, after his injury coming back. He could be a 10-sack guy. And that, that, that's completely fair. Like, I, I'm not trying to call you out here, Joe, because I think that's a very that was a very reasonable take that uh, if you wanted to make a, make a bold prediction that Kamoko Ture would be a guy who could do that. But it, it brings us back to a discussion we had earlier in this podcast that, that talking about the development of defensive line talent 
for the Indianapolis Colts. And for years and years, for this group, for previous groups, for previous coaching staffs, or previous front office staffs, it just hasn't worked. And Kaboko Ture is one of the latest examples of that. And injuries are a big part of it. But they that, are. But that plays into it. It's part of it. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's part of it. Yeah, no, I loved his potential, and I wrote that story going into his second year after he showed flashes as a rookie, and then against the Chiefs, I don't know, what was that, game four or five that season, uh, he has that severe ankle injury, and then coming back, I mean, part of what made him so special was his athleticism and his ability to bend around the edge. There aren't a lot of guys that big who can bend, um, but it's hard to come back and bend on a surgically reconstructed ankle. And you can just tell that his athleticism has been zapped. Uh, does he go somewhere else and become the new Jerry Hughes? I don't think so. I think it's possible the more time he has removed from his ankle injury. But I think I agree with Mike. It's time to move on. I don't think it's there anymore with him. And he was a second-round pick in the draft because of injuries. He was injured at Rutgers and missed full seasons, major, lots of time, significant amount of time. So when you draft players who are injured in college, you shouldn't be surprised when they're injured in the pros. We've talked about other guys uh, previously on offense in particular that we, we think are definite guys to bring back, like an Ashton Doolin or a Matt Pryor. I, I think uh, among those has to be linebacker Zaire Franklin, and not just because he went to Syracuse University, but also because he's been a team captain for the if past two seasons. If we assure you they'll bring in another Syracuse guy, will you, will you be less of a, of a supporter of him, or is it just more Zaire? Oh, no, it, it, it'll just be another guy right along so, that same level that I will so support. This isn't, player, this isn't player at school. No, it is. Well, yes, but I also like Zaire, too. He's a okay. good player. He's a good special teams player, and that's why he's a captain um, for the past couple of seasons. Like, and, and he's a guy that, again, you can probably bring back closer to what you want. than Right. He, he's, he's not going to go anywhere that people want to pay big right. money to be a starter. He, he has more value to you than he does elsewhere, which is yes. good for you and not so good for him. That's right. And uh, linebacker Matthew Adams is another one that's probably similar to that because uh, he's 25 years old after four years in the NFL. He was a seventh-round pick just like Zaire was a couple years ago. These guys have kind of come up together. They've been similar players. They've provided uh, in, in similar roles, although Zaire has seen a little bit more action with the defense. Adams seen a little bit more consistently with special teams. Um, they've both made big special teams plays this year, Joe. And again, if Bubba Ventrone has any say in it, he definitely wants both of these guys to be back. I would say lean more towards Zaire if he has to pick one. But again, I think both of these guys are back in Indianapolis next year. Yeah, I'm not sure about Matthew Adams. I do agree with Zaire Franklin. I mean, Adams could be back. I don't think it's going to cost much to, you know, re-sign either of them. Um, but I, I do think it's time that the Colts once again look in the draft for another linebacker because Okariki's contract is coming down the pipe, and uh, it's just time to keep cycling through those guys. So if they don't bring back Adams and end up drafting the guy in the late rounds once again, that wouldn't surprise me either. We were talking because the problem when you talk about these guys come up for contracts, when I see Okariki, I sort of see in in the structure of a team and in, in your salary cap. Anthony Walker, mm -hmm. to where he, boy, he's valuable to us. He does so many good things, but he's at a non-prime position at the at the position. I guess is what I'm saying. Linebacker. That's what I'm saying. So so, but uh, we know that they're going to have a ton of offensive linemen, a ton of defensive linemen, and a bunch of linebackers because that's what they believe in. You need some safety uh, help too. George Odom, Anderson Deho, and Jaleel Adai are all free agents. 
neither of your starters are. Kari uh, Willis, who mentioned earlier, will be a free agent next year. And then Julian Blackman as well, who the Colts tweeted out a nice video of him trying to work back from uh, from his Achilles injury. So that was good to see him doing a little bit of work out there at team headquarters. Uh, but nevertheless, these are all guys that, that are backups, guys that have, like George Odom, has very good special teams worth. Um, but uh, he, he's going to now be a, a full free agent, so he doesn't have to worry about his tenure, tender, and uh, he's going to... Well, now he has to worry about his tenure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it was a little bit of a Freudian <laughs> slip from me. Yeah. So I, he's going to go out and see just exactly how much he's worth, I think, on the open market. Like, he's going to get that opportunity now. I, I, I can't imagine he just signs a deal before, before free agent begins here. After what happened last year, I think he really wants to test the waters. Right, and I have to wonder what he's going to find out there. Because Me again, too. I think, they, again, so many of these guys on this list, which is good and bad, they have more value here. They just do. So I just don't know, like you said, those teams just think, boy, when this guy gets out there, we're going after him. I don't know that they've targeted anybody you can target like that, but I wouldn't mind George Odom coming back because where mm-hmm. would they have been on defense if he's not there Yeah, when injuries hit him, when Blackman and then Zendejo go down? So uh, he has value. The question is always going to be, what is that value? And if you look at, uh, I think if you look at the experience in the the secondary group as well, and, and Joe was saying it earlier, like if you're going to go younger at cornerback, if you're letting like a guy like Z- Xavier Rhodes go and TJ Carey go, it's nice to have some experience in, in groups. It really is. And Anderson Dejo has 11 years in the NFL. Jaleel Adai has nine years in the NFL. So Joe, I think if, if they do go younger at cornerback, I think they would have to keep some kind of experience back in the secondary. And these are guys that have stepped in and performed here in this defense of the past couple years so i think at least two of these guys come back if not all three of them honestly if we're um, if we're kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of it yeah i mean you do want to have that a reliable third safety because the chances of both of them staying healthy throughout the year you know all 17 games are pretty slim i, I don't mind sendejo other than the fact that he's 34 um, so he's getting up there maybe the colts look elsewhere for a veteran third safety and think they can for the price they can maybe get someone a little better than Sendejo or Odom. Um, I would like to see Odom back, but I think you guys are right. He's going to test the market and just go wherever he can get the most money, which, you know, in the NFL, you, you, you don't play can't blame him for that. Especially, yeah, yeah, I can't blame him for that one bit. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought one of these guys back. But at the same time, for the price, I wouldn't be surprised either if they looked outside. None of these guys are irreplaceable. No, and um, that the, that's the whole list of the Colts free agents right now. Guys, who there's spent like 24, good time. 25 guys. It's incredible. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot and a whole lot of decisions to be made by Chris Ballard and the front office staff uh, for this offseason. That was just kind of a brief primer on all of them. We'll, we'll we'll talk specific positions. We'll talk other free agents out there over the coming weeks for sure. Uh, like Chap said, it's mid March when uh, when free agency actually begins. Uh, the NFL Combine is at the beginning of March. Those are kind of the next big things on the Colts calendar right now as uh, the playoffs continue on and we get to a conference championship weekend. Any picks for conference championship weekend before we wrap? Joe has something else he wants to add, too. What's up, Joe? Yeah, well, I just kind of wanted to... So if you guys could pick two, maybe three guys from this entire list for the Colts to bring back. You know, we just went through like 24 players here and we thought, you know... Three players from this entire list for the Colts to bring back. What would they be? I'll start. I say Matt Pryor, Chris Reed, and uh, Taquan Lewis. And then you save your money and get some better players elsewhere. 
Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, I, I, if I'm going to err on the side of anything, I'm going to have too many offensive linemen. So, again, I'd rather have Glowinski, but I think it's going to be Reed. And Pryor gives you so much versatility. And I just like Tyquan Lewis. I just like what he brings, although you're doing it next year, and you may not get it until November. Well, I, I, I wouldn't I, be surprised I, if Pryor ends up starting a left tackle for the Colts. Yeah. Could be. I mean, I just I just went on my Zaire Franklin rant, so I I, I got to keep my guy Zaire. <laughs> but uh, true, true. Yeah, I, honestly, like I, you guys make great points for the other guys too. I think you need depth on the interior on or on the on the lines on both lines, which would be Matt Pryor really and Tyquan Lewis. Um, and and so I think I might I might have to stick with those three: Tyquan Lewis, Zaire Franklin, uh, Matt Pryor. Um, and, and I really like Ashton Doolin. I really do. But he's restricted. But but exactly. You'll put the low tender. Right. Exactly. He doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. So I I think those three would be the three that I lean toward, but, uh, but yeah, like I was saying, Hey, hey, yeah. Championship game predictions. Who who we got, Joe, who we got for this weekend? Who's going to the Super Bowl? What I think, you know, don't ask me after, uh, how my bets worked out after last weekend, but, uh, I'm going with the Rams and Chiefs. That's kind of the Super Bowl I want to see. I mean, it'd be nice if Cincinnati get in there, but as far as trying to see the two best teams, two heavyweights slug it out in the Super Bowl, I think it's going to be Rams and Chiefs, and I think that's going to be fun to watch. Chap, what do you think? Same. Cause I, and I think I think the Rams are going to expose Jimmy G. In the, in the NFC, I just think that that's going to be an ugly game. I just, I just do. If you follow Darius Butler on Twitter, he loves him some Jimmy G. Well, maybe Jimmy G will be the quarterback here next Can year. Can we settle oh, this? Jimmy boy, G sa- is in no shape or form better than Carson Wentz. Like, I don't understand all these people ranking Jimmy G as a better. But he's off. different. But he's different. He is different. You are right. He yes, is different. I, he I is agree with you, Joe. Handsome, people like but... him better because he's not Carson Wentz. Yeah. They just like him better because he's not Carson Wentz. Right. Yes. That's where we are right now. If we are. You're completely right. You are completely right. But like I said, we can save that discussion for a later date because we're out of time on this podcast. We we're went, probably we, over time. We are. We went, for, we went for ages, but there's a lot to talk about when the owner starts tweeting things uh, in Next the middle of the night. Wins. Go. Yeah, exactly. Okay. We appreciate you all listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes throughout the week. Follow us individually at Roto Street Joe, that's Joe Hopkins, at mchapel51, that's Mike Chapel at DaveG underscore sports, that's me, Dave Griffiths. Please download, subscribe, get us delivered to your podcast listening device every week throughout the offseason and the regular season as well, and we thank you for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast.